I've been a pastor for 25 years now, and I've had a lot of great experiences. One of the highlights was playing the saxophone in that song last year. For four years, I'd been dropping hints around Dave Macron that maybe I could play in the show. I did play the sax after all. Everyone loves the saxophone. I hadn't seen one in the show yet. Wouldn't that make it better? I wore him down. I'm not that good, but he invited me. And it was absolutely amazing to play with a group of musicians who are that good. And there's something for me about playing the horn. The joy of standing up there with all that talent, sharing the stage with Charlie Pollock, watching him run into the audience, dance around, waving his hands, so much energy, every single person in the opera house smiling ear to ear and adding to those smiles when I played. The atmosphere was so exciting. It felt like everyone was celebrating all together. And it was all so perfect because the mood in that room fit the message of Christmas exactly. A message which is so good that when it's taken to heart, you have to celebrate. And you can't keep it to yourself. You want to tell everyone who you care about this news. You want to shout it from the mountaintops, just like the song says. The first time Go Tell It on the Mountain was performed would have been somewhere around 1900 by the Fisk Jubilee Singers. Shortly after the Civil War ended, Fisk University was founded in Nashville to educate slaves who'd been freed. One of the professors compiled the very first collection of African-American folk songs and spirituals in 1901. It was so successful that he published a second in 1907. John Wesley Work, Jr. He taught history and Latin, but his real love was music. Every year, before sunrise on Christmas morning, Professor Work would take students caroling from building to building on campus, singing, Go Tell It on the Mountain. A completely joyful song that grew out of an experience of prolonged oppression that finally ended. Try to imagine a life spent in the fields of Tennessee in the early part of the 19th century as a slave. Behind you is the auction block where you were sold as if you were a piece of farm equipment. Ahead is a life of servitude. Shackles, chains, never-ending work on someone else's land. But then there is one place where you always find hope and encouragement where your heart is strengthened for the challenges you face every day. Gathering together with fellow slaves each week to cry out to God in prayer. To lift your voices together in song. To hear the stories of the Bible. This is where Go Tell It on the Mountain was born. Imagine how the Bible stories would have sounded. I think of the Exodus. The Hebrews were enslaved in Egypt, forced to build someone else's empire, oppressed by a tyrant who worked them to death. 
But then God sent Moses to Pharaoh, let my people go. And when he refused, God intervened and freed the slaves. Imagine how that would sound if you were a slave. How about the story of the Babylonian captivity? The Israelites are taken prisoner, forcibly removed from their land, held in bondage by a hostile power. But the prophets promise, one day, God will come and free you. I've heard the cry of the oppressed. I will rescue you, God says, to liberate the captives and set the prisoners free. God's promises from Scripture resonated with the slaves in a way that was lost on their masters. It was the same with the Christmas story. God's deliverance is finally at hand. The Messiah has arrived. But instead of coming into the world through a daughter of privilege, he'll come through a peasant girl. Instead of being born in the palace, he'll arrive in the stable out back. And then, on the night when the Savior of the world is born, the first to hear this news are not the men of power, the emperor or the high priest. The angel passes by the holy city of Jerusalem and goes beyond the temple and arrives instead on the dark hillsides where the men who work outside day after day, laboring in the fields, are sleeping under the stars. Listen, in that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Here is where the message of Christmas comes first. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah the Lord. Imagine how this message of a Savior who has come to deliver would have sounded on the plantations of Tennessee. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those whom he favors. The first angel is joined by a great choir singing a song of pure celebration because this is a perfectly joyful message. So good it has to be shared, shouted from every mountaintop. Let's take some time with the angel's words. Listen again. I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. There are three statements here 
each highlighting one quality of the message of Christmas. Let's start with the last one. The angel's message is for all the people. Most news which is good is only good for some people and bad for others. But the gift announced at Christmas means a celebration for everyone. No one is left out. Everyone is included. There are no outsiders. The gift is for all the people. As a pastor, I can tell you that with surprising frequency, I meet folks who have a hard time believing that God is for them. When they look in the mirror, they're sure that the one looking back can't be worthy of God's love and acceptance. If there is a God, he can't possibly be for me. I'm not worthy of him. I had a friend when I lived in Red Bank who worked as a chaplain at the hospital in town. He was often the last person with patients when they died. You'd be shocked at how many people face death with the fear that when they meet God, he won't want anything to do with them. Because of hidden infidelity, regret and shame, feelings of having failed their children, he told me at least once a week, I'm with someone who's dying and afraid that God won't want them. Luke's Christmas story is told in a way that declares God wants everyone, especially those who think they're unworthy. It's the shepherds who prove this. In the first century, these are the men who would be most likely to feel unworthy of God's attention or concern. They were social and religious outcasts. No civil rights, since most people believed they were thieves. If a court case required a witness, it couldn't be a shepherd. No one trusted them. They weren't even allowed to go to the temple. The rabbis kept a list of forbidden professions. Shepherd was on it. These were the very last folks you would expect to be of any concern to God. And yet, when Christ was born, the angel comes to them first with the news, not to the temple, but to the hills, not to the high priest, but to the lowly shepherds, not to the religious experts, but to the men working in the field. All of this declares this gift is for everyone. If you think God isn't for you, you are wrong. God's gift is for every person, no exceptions. Look at the second statement with me. Great joy. The gift that comes at Christmas time is cause for great joy. We don't spend enough time thinking about joyful things. What makes you feel grateful, content, hopeful, secure? Satisfied? Try to call to mind that kind of contented happiness. An experience where all is well. Everything's right. You are completely at ease and joyful. Hold that feeling in your heart for a moment. When I was a kid, Playing my saxophone for my grandfather, that made me feel joy. In third grade, I had to choose an instrument, and I chose the saxophone because that's what he played. When he was a kid, he got his first horn. He used to sneak into the speakeasies at night and play to earn extra money for his family. He ended up as a professional player in a big band. I wanted to play like him. Tenor sax, but I was too little, so I played the alto. 
Mr. Gianarelli was my teacher. I had two goals. First, learn to play the solo from the heart of rock and roll, Huey Lewis in the News. And I wanted to play in front of my grandfather and impress him. I never learned that solo. I wasn't good enough. But my grandfather came to our band concert at New Monmouth School, and he put his hand on my shoulder afterward, and he smiled at me. I felt great joy then. What is it for you? Seeing a project that you've been working on finally come together. A peaceful evening with your extended family, laughing and sharing memories together. Walking outside in the hills as the leaves are changing, looking out over the valley, feeling so loved because your friends are walking there with you. Listening to that album, which brings you back to a time when you were so close to life, it felt like you were in heaven already. Whatever it is, think of that. Joy. The angels say that with Jesus, great joy has come to all people. Help has arrived. Freedom from the chains. Relief from every burden. Perfect liberty forever in every way. This is the message of Christmas. One more phrase. This is good news. So good that it should be shared with everyone. It's news that says you are beloved by the creator who made heaven and earth. His eyes are on you even now and his heart is filled with affection for you. In Christ, God has come near. Love moved him to give himself, to reach across the divide. You are free to come home. All those failures behind you, leave them there. God says, let's not concern ourselves with them. Trust me, and I will make you altogether new. Forget about your regrets. You're forgiven. You don't need to prove yourself anymore. God approves of you. Whatever wilderness you're walking through, God is here to join you for every step of your journey. Look ahead, and no matter what you see, add Jesus to the picture, because whatever you have to pass through, he will be right there with you. And one day, it will be so good, you won't be able to remember these challenges, even if you tried. Good news. To you, this day, a Savior has been given. God's anointed deliverer, the Lord. Don't keep this news to yourself. Go and tell it on the mountain. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for the gift of Christmas, for the good news of great joy that is for all the people. We thank you for the gift of music, and for the way that it causes us to celebrate and rejoice together. We thank you for moments of excitement and pleasure where all together as God's people, as your people, we can lift our hearts to you in song and celebrate. 
We thank you for memories like those memories of being together at the Christmas concert last year. God, would you please use those memories to fuel joy in us even now so that when we look ahead, we can be inspired and hopeful for what you have for us in those days. And now in these moments, God, would you inspire us to remember what we've been given at Christmas, to know that we're beloved and that we're yours. Would you let that knowledge fill us with joy? the kind that overflows. Sustain us, we pray, God, until we are together again. And we pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen.